Welcome back to episode 25 of the FPL Draft Hub podcast. Today we have a look back on the season so far. Welcome back to the FPL Draft Hub podcast, your one-stop hub for everything Draft FPL. I've given myself and all of you a bit of a break since last weekend and some of the crazy results that we saw last Sunday so that we can now reflect a little bit more calmly on how this season might be panning out. There's obviously a fair amount of football to be played before the next Premier League game week with the Nations League games and plenty of opportunities for a few injuries to factor in. So I'm not going to use this episode to look ahead as much as I'll be looking back on the opening four game weeks um, and just more generally everything we've seen so far. So this week is going to be a busy one for the podcast with uh, a further two episodes out before the end of the week. So following on from this, there will be a dedicated episode talking through some of the late transfers and who you should and shouldn't be looking at for your draft teams and following on from that there will also be an episode specifically looking at players we haven't seen so far this year so players who are currently on zero minutes for the season but might be ones to think about. As we do have this mini international break to take stock the format of this episode is going to be different to the usual game week previews and instead I will do a quick team-by-team run-through, giving my thoughts on them generally and how to look at them for fantasy football. Also, because it's always fun to look back at the end of the season and laugh at your shit draft picks, I'll also give my current prediction for where I think each team will finish come the end of the season. So as I said, we can look back and laugh at that in May as well. So let's get into it. So for want of a better way, I'm going to start at the top of the Premier League as things stand and work my way down to the bottom. But just before I do, I just want to make a more general point on the way the Premier League will go this season in light of the crazy amount of goals and results we've seen already. My take is that things will settle down, defences will tighten up and there will be more semblance of, of normality. I do think penalties will continue to be a factor And there is, uh, in my opinion, a premium that comes with owning penalty takers now. But other than that, I think things will settle down. But let's get into the team reviews. So starting off, the current league leaders, Everton, four wins from four. Fully deserving of that that 12-point mark that they're on. Have definitely been the most impressive team in the league so far. Owners of Calvert-Lewin and James, you know, guys that drafted them will no doubt be doing very well in their leagues and many will now be working out whether or not to sell them high on the expectation. There will be some regression to the mean while others will be working out if it's worth trying to prize them away from their owners. Calvert-Lewin for me looks to be full value for his six goals, none of which have come from penalties and to me looks to be this season's Danny Ings where each week will be saying surely he can't score again and he will. For me, that's how I'd value him. But if if it were me that uh, owned him, it would take a serious offer to get me to trade him away. James is one I'd be more inclined to sell high if, if an opportunity came up, um, as he's probably slightly outperforming his stats more than Calvert-Lewin. But again, I'd happily hang on to him as well. Defensively, they're performing no different to anyone else in the league at the moment. Very capable of conceding, but comfortable scoring plenty at the other end. I don't love their centre-backs in general and the addition of Godfrey, as I'll mention in the next episode, 
doesn't do much to change my opinion. Luca Dina remains a standout FPL asset for the game in general with his attacking returns. Overall, I can see a good season for Everton and I've got them penciled in to finish fifth. Into second then, and a team who missed out in game week one and have only played three so far, but find themselves in second with nine points from nine is Aston Villa. Um, What an addition Ross Barkley turned out to be to inspire that result. Seven goals against what I still believe is the best defence in the league, albeit with possibly the worst backup keeper in the league. A hat-trick for Ollie Watkins and could have been more if he'd put his other chances away and suddenly made the managers that picked him up a couple of weeks ago very happy. Although many of them will have parked him on the bench for that game and will be wondering what could have been if they'd backed him to go and score three against the champions. In the few leagues where he's still available, I'm sure we'll see that rectified ahead of game week five. The pretty boys, Graylish and Barkley, combine brilliantly and really seem to click. Barkley currently has ownership levels as low as 6% in some leagues and he will definitely be hot property for this round of waivers and he's another player who I'm going to talk about in a little bit more depth in the next episode. Villa have some very winnable games coming up and I'm sure Dean Smith will be throwing out the same 11 for as long as it keeps doing what it did against Liverpool. Don't get me wrong, it will be a long time before we see Villa score seven in a game, although their match against Fulham at home in game week 30 looks pretty appealing. But similar to Everton, their attacking returns will be shared between the select crew uh, of Watkins, Graylish and Barkley with McGinn occasionally getting involved. Defensively, Villa are a joint top with two clean sheets so far uh, and for want of any better options at the moment, look like half-decent shouts to stream in. So that could be worth waiting until after game week five where they're away to Leicester. So by Villa's standards, I expect them to have a decent season this year. Um, I think they'll just sneak into the top half and I've got them penciled in to finish 10th. Also on nine is Leicester City, three wins from four, including that stuffing of Man City, 5-2 away. Um, And it's most of the usual suspects for Leicester so far from an FPL point of view. The Vardy party is now in its seventh year. Um, There are no signs of the music stopping just yet with five goals already. Harvey Barnes has also looked really impressive in attack. um, And his one goal and one assist is poor output so far for the performances that he's shown. If you can catch a whiff that a Barnes owner is looking to move him on, uh, he would definitely be someone I'd look to bring in. Castagna has emerged as a possible new FBL defensive star with three assists and a goal already, seeing him as the highest scoring defender overall. Will be hard to get good trade value for, but could be a nice one to try and package into a deal. Defensively, we've seen them go to a back five, um, which worked great against Man City, but saw them lose comfortably to West Ham, who really should have been met with Leicester's usual 4-1-4-1 system, but this could have been uh, forced on them due to some injuries they've had in central areas. I still see Leicester as being decent value for clean sheets this year uh, once things settle down and would be keen to hoover up any of their defensive starters that may be lurking in the waiver pile. My prediction for them this year is 7th. On to Arsenal then, again on 9 points. Great start for them, having only dropped points to Liverpool and there's no shame in that. Starting eleven still looks uh, a bit in flux, generally across the team. It's only Leno and Aubameyang that you can be 100% confident they'll start. 
tactically, Arteta seems to have them equally comfortable playing with a with a back four or five, depending on the opposition. As I said, Aubameyang looks nailed coming in off the left, with battles then going on between William and Pepe for that right spot, and Lacazette and Nketiah for the centre-forward position. For draft FPL, I see value in, in all of those names at the moment, especially while none of them have nailed a starting spot. And if that looks to change with a clear favourite, then obviously act accordingly. Defensively, they look better and more organised, certainly, but I'm still not sure about the personnel. Last season, they kept 10 clean sheets and I'd put them on about the same this year, um, which might just um, make them struggle to get enough results to get to where they want to. My prediction for them, uh, as it stands, is sixth. Into fifth then, and the defending champions, Liverpool, with three wins from four. We're really not used to seeing this Liverpool team on the end of such a hiding, but all I can think now is how much that will reinvigorate them now that they're having to find motivation again to repeat the heroics of the past two seasons. There's nothing new to say about their front three. Jota is a notable new addition and probably is somebody worth having in medium and large-sized draft leagues as he will earn more points off the bench than many others will playing 90 minutes every week. I still feel they're the best team defensively by a decent chunk, mainly when Alisson is in goal, and that alone will probably see them uh, defending the Premier League title. They had 15 clean sheets last year. Um, they'll get that again, uh, if not more. So, yeah, my prediction for them is is uh, to win the league again. Next is my team, Tottenham. Currently seven points from 12. Uh, a minute into the Man United game, I was thinking, here we go again. But, wow, what a result and some great individual performances. Um Son and Kane currently sit first and second in the overall FPL points table as it stands with nine goals and seven assists between them after four games. And they both look in top, top form. I haven't seen Kane playing like this uh, with this sharpness for a long time. And of course, there is still one Gareth Bale to add to this mix, which is an exciting prospect. The three of them will allow you know a 4-3-3 or a 5-2-3 to be deployed uh, with the benefit of having a balanced set of fullbacks now. And, you know, the central midfield area is still the most up in the air in terms of who's nailed on to start. And I struggled to see where Deli Ali fits into either of those systems at the moment. Um, he may have to be patient and wait for injuries um, or cup cup games, really, to make a mark. For those that own Deli Ali, I couldn't advocate for holding on to him at the moment. Game weeks will soon pass you by and you'll regret not moving to a playing option or even trying one of the more offensive Spurs options in Lokelso or Ndombele, but I see them fighting for one place too. Defensively, I think Spurs will be up there this season, which possibly won't be difficult getting around maybe 14 clean sheets for the year. Um, so, you know, their defenders are good options. My prediction for Tottenham in the league this year with beer goggles on is third. Next is Chelsea and I think we've seen some real glimpses of of a top team but at the moment it's the same story with an abundance of attackers who don't quite fit together with a back line that continues to look a bit shaky. Defensively I think a settled four is near on the horizon with Zuma and Thiago Silva looking to nail down 
the centre-back spots. Chilwell is obviously there on the left. And the main headache remaining is whether or not to go with the experience of Azpilicueta or the youth of Rhys James on the other side. Attacking-wise, they have so many class options with a striker trio that provide answers for most questions that an opposition defence could pose. Then you've got the whole ensemble cast of wingers and central creators that would give any manager a selection headache. As an attacking squad, I don't see a better team in the Premier League. And for me, their firepower will propel them to a lot of results, regardless of how many they let in at the other end. So my prediction for them, and I'll happily be proved wrong, is for them to finish second this year. Next is Leeds. We knew this was coming. The prophecy of St. Bielsa is coming true before our eyes. And the biggest compliment I can give them is that they look like a team we've been watching in the Premier League for years. Super organised. Everyone knows exactly what they're meant to be doing. Bielsa's main line is, you know, that he sets his team up to create attacking opportunities. And that's clearly going to be the case when you continually get five players in the opposition box. A number of their players have emerged already as FPO options with... Bamford, contrary to what Leeds fans would have us or would have had us believe, is able to score goals. And the midfielders, uh, Costa, Click, and Harrison, all look like they'll have productive days out as well. With the much fawned over fullbacks of Dallas and Ailing starting to show some of their attacking promise too. I'm not counting on them getting many clean sheets this year. Um, and I think teams will start to suss them out sooner rather than later but I still think they're going to have a good first year back and my prediction is for them to finish in 11th. Into ninth, and we've got Newcastle at the moment on seven points. Uh, Newcastle put up one of the worst performances of the season uh, against Spurs and still managed to get a point. They were without um, St. Maximan for that game and having had him back in the game against Burnley, he made a massive difference. We all know Bruce can can set them up solid enough at the back. Um, scoring goals was an issue last year, but with their salvage operation at Bournemouth complete, um, bringing back Fraser and Wilson, they've definitely improved in that area. I think they'll be all right, and I've got them down to finish 12th. Next is West Ham, and they started, as many would have expected, with a couple of losses, but have somehow pulled things back with two wins on the bounce to steady the ship for the time being. Interesting that both of those have come since Moyes was unable to be there due to quarantining. Nobody new really stands out for them. Antonio and Bowen uh, remain the main guys, but Fornals appears to have secured his spot in attack, where West Ham have a lot of mediocre competition. Defensively, they look a lot more sound with the back five and will certainly continue that with their horrible upcoming fixture run. Um, so they could be a decent mine for clean sheets as the season progresses and I've got them penciled in to finish in 13th. Into the bottom half then with Southampton, for me they were looking very stale and the late addition of Walcott could give them a slightly better look with a bit more balance. Danny Ings continues to be the standout um, and now that he seems to be on penalties too there might be a chance he can top his tally of 22 from last year. Che Adams continues to frustrate as a nearly man and none of the midfielders seem capable of putting together a decent run. I don't expect any miracles in defence this year and I think despite Ings' goals, they'll struggle 
and I've got them to finish 16th. Now, pre-season, I might have had Crystal Palace in the relegation conversation due to, you know, an ageing defence and general lack of goals, but four games in, and I think we've seen enough from them in an attacking sense to be confident that they'll stay up, and I think the removal of Milivojevic to the bench seems to have improved things in midfield. Defensively, they obviously weren't great against Chelsea in that game and were punished for a number of individual errors, but... Once a couple of their key defenders return from injury, I'm sure we'll see the organisation and solidity that that Roy Hodgson has made them famous for. Zaha staying and not you know getting sold is a massive boost. Eze was a great addition and it seems to be settling in okay. While well. um, IU and Townsend continue to offer a lot of pound for pound value, so I've got them to finish comfortably in 14th. Next is Wolves, and When looking at their ins and outs this summer, for me, their squad, in the short term at least, has weakened with a lot more faith now being put in the likes of Neto and Podence, who, you know, are still very young, while the midfielders are all another year older. Defensively, their players are still fashionable pickups for draft managers and will repay that with enough clean sheets. My worry for them is goals this year, even with Jimenez up front. I don't see them scoring as many as they did last year with some of the old supply lines now gone. But I think they'll have a decent season nonetheless. And my prediction for them is ninth. Next is Manchester City. And some of you will have noticed that as it stands, I've got teams penciled in first, second and third. And be wondering what on earth I'm going, you know, how I've left out Manchester City, who many will have in their top two. Um, I'll lead by saying I've currently got them in to finish fourth. I don't think they're as strong as they have been for the last few years for as long as as Pep's been there. Um, Defensively, there are still a lot of issues for me, even with Diaz coming in um, as an established partner for Laporte. While I think they'll still keep a fair number of clean sheets by their sheer onslaught of attack, I think against teams with a more structured approach, they will struggle to not let goals in. In midfield as well at the moment, I'm just not entirely sure what the plan is and Pep seems to be overthinking things and and switching things up. I'm I'm just not clear what the first choice, you know, attacking six players are in the midfield and the, the front three. The lack of a backup striker with, you know, Aguero very injury prone and and Jesus also prone to the old injury himself is definitely a worry. They don't look the same team without one of those guys in the number nine spot. They will continue to smash teams, I think, on their day when you've got Kevin De Bruyne, Raheem Sterling, um, Riyad Mahrez. There is plenty of plenty of goals there, but... For me, just there are some cracks starting to show. doesn't really detract anything from their players as FPL assets. But I feel that the league is quite wide open this year. And if there was going to be a year that Pep's downfall would begin, it could be this one. And you have to have one bowl pick when you're, when you're predicting the Premier League table. Otherwise, it's just boring. Next is Brighton. Now, Brighton have looked very good so far. I've been really impressed with them. But worryingly have only taken three points from 12. And this would really concern me as a Brighton fan. But from an FBL perspective, the likes of Mopé and Trossard still look set to be tidy earners regardless of how their games pan out. 
Lamptey has emerged as a new FPL darling with three assists already, but hasn't managed to convert these into any massive scores so far. On paper, they've got a really solid defence and a capable goalkeeper. So my feeling is that results will pick up. There is a vulnerability there, though, particularly in midfield, which I think will hold them back. And I've got them in to finish 15th. Next, the other team in Manchester, Manchester United, who, as mentioned, were on the end of an absolute hiding from Spurs on Sunday, losing 6-1. Obviously went a man down with Martial being sent off midway through the first half, but even before then, the performance was terrible, particularly in defence. They looked all over the place, just as a collective and individually as well, making errors. They've had some good additions, um, this transfer window with Van der Beek and also on deadline day, which I'll talk about in the next episode. And on paper, there are all the ingredients of a solid um, title-challenging Premier League team. I'm not convinced, though, that... Oli is the manager to to steer that ship at the moment. I think it won't be long before he's before he's moved on. Can easily see Pochettino coming in, and I think it'd be a great group for for him to get hold of. Plenty of young players, plenty of players with clear ability who just need pointing in the right direction. How soon that managerial change happens? Um, as I said, I don't think it will happen immediately. It could be towards Christmas, and by then it could be more of a salvage job for Man United's season. So at the moment, I've got them penciled in to finish eighth, but depending on how quickly they can turn things around, that might change. Next is West Brom, who have just got one point from their opening games. Pereira and Diangana are exciting to watch and will provide decent value for FPL managers this season. But beyond that, West Brom is a barren wasteland for fantasy points. Nothing I've seen so far has made me think they'll avoid the drop and I've got them penciled in to finish in 19th and to go back down. Next is Burnley, who have got zero points from their opening games. Worrying times for them. Their success in recent years has been built on a foundation of no-nonsense defending and keeping games tight. And without this, they do not have the attacking capabilities to outscore teams and are paying the price for that. We haven't seen... Uh, Tarkovsky and Ben Mee partnered this season so far, which is undoubtedly a big miss, considering their replacement centre-backs do not look like Premier League quality. Uh, Wood Barnes and Jay Rodriguez should end up doing just enough to justify their selection in your draft teams, but they would be guys I'd look to bundle away in trades at the earliest opportunity. I think this could be the end of Burnley's current spell in the Premier League and have got them to finish 18th. Next is Sheffield United. Everything I've said for Burnley could apply for Sheffield too. A game winless in four, having scored just one goal so far. Their answer to this is new signing Brewster. And as you'll hear me talk about in a later pod this week, he, I don't think, is the answer. The only difference for Sheffield United is their back line with individually better players and collectively are just better tactically, which should allow them to stay up by the skin of their teeth. So I've got them to come 17th. Last and by all means least is Fulham. They are not really any different to what we saw two seasons back. This feels like a complete waste of a promotion given they are really just coming with the same terrible defence and average attack. No doubt they'll finish bottom and along with West Brom their only relevance for FPL is to target players who are playing against them each week. Mitrovic should be owned and will score the majority of their goals, but otherwise 
I wouldn't be looking at any of their players. So yeah, I've got them to finish in 20th. So that's it for this episode, but there will be two more episodes coming out later this week, giving you plenty to think about ahead of the Premier League's return next weekend. Be sure to keep an eye out for injury news and positive swab results during the international games as it could impact who you're looking at bringing in on the waivers. If you're not already, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on those episodes or any other future episodes. Leave us a review and follow on Twitter at FBL Draft Hub Pod. Also be sure to have a look at fpldrafthub.com which you can sign up for free where you will find stats that you can't get anywhere else. So enjoy the international break. As I said, keep your ears peeled for the other episodes this week which will look at the late transfer window signings and then a bonus episode looking at players who are yet to feature this year. Remember it's never too early to pencil in your waivers and as always stay shook.